It's a War Games Watch Along presented to you by the home of Nostalgic Pro Wrestling Podcasts, representing the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. This is kicking out at two. As we are celebrating the 30-year anniversary of the War Games match from Wrestle War 1992, Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. This is a rewatch party here. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and in the in the the, the co-pilot seat, if you will. Uh, my brother, Justin Rosenbluth, we watched The Cold Day in Hell last week. This week, we're going to watch War Games. Uh, a little different flavor, if you will. Taking a break from 97, coming back to 1992, and uh, celebrating what I consider one of the another underrated aspect of WCW. It's gotten a lot of flack over the years for many different things I'm sure that we'll talk about, but this is an underrated era of World Championship Wrestling at the time. Um, I grew up in it. I watched it. Maybe I'm just a little bit biased here, but um, Justin, what are your thoughts on as we as we head into watching this match? Um, I don't believe I've watched this War Games match start to finish. Maybe once I've watched it, mm-hmm. but I've also understood in my seeing it and talking about things surrounding it that it is one of, if not the best, War Games matches of all time. Um, I'm sure that's very debatable to people who've watched every second of every War Games and were there at the Greensboro Coliseum when so and Ric Flair and the Horsemen and you know all that stuff. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, this was a nice collection of fucking talent. From oh yeah, top to bottom. This was like two Murderers Rose teams. Yeah. Well, well, not even Murderers Row, but like fuck, like Steve Austin's on on and the Dangerous Alliance is like a blue chipper. You know what I yeah. mean? And like Paul Heyman and Larry Zabisco. Like this is a Hall of Fame match. Yeah. And, um, you know, an all-star game, if you will, in some respects. And it kind of was treated that way. So I think, you know, it's 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 a fun match to um, to, to definitely call back to. Like you said, I think, you know, not not, not 1997, but certainly, what, 30-year anniversary? 30-year anniversary, yeah. Working on, so this yeah, week, this, yeah. Is, this, is, um, this is definitely one of, the, one of the good ones for sure. Yeah, so you're going to go to your Peacock, and you're going to go to the WWE Hub, and then you're going to go to the WCW section, click on the Pay-Per-View section, and you're going to go to Wrestle War, and it's Season 4, Episode 1, Wrestle War 1992. And I'd like for you to fast-forward all the way to 2 hours, 6 minutes, and 37 seconds uh, and that will be the start of the presentation of the War Games match. It, on that, on each team. Now, let, now, mind you, let's you know. You said Murderers Row Hall of Fame. You know, Dangerous Alliance consisted of Ravishing Rick Rude, mm-hmm. Stunning Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Larry Zabisco, Beautiful Bobby Eaton, and Arn Anderson. Over on Sting Squadron, you had Sting, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, and Nikita Koloff. I mean. Yeah. Hall of Fame. All, I mean, let's. Who's in the hall? Who's in the WWE Hall of Fame currently? Out of that bunch, um, Sting. Everybody except Nikita and Bobby Eaton on the other side, and Dustin. But Goldust is going in. Yeah, he'll go in at some like point. That. And I Paul mean, Heyman's not in it. Paul Heyman's not in it. Yeah. But I mean, he'll go in as well. He'll go yeah. in, and so yeah. I mean, but then you talk about Medusa being, you know, the manager too. Yep. You know, of Dangerous Alliance, the the baby doll, you know, version of it. Hall of Famer right there. Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah, this is this is a fucking stacked match from top to bottom. Uh, who's the ref? Are they in the Hall of Fame, too? <laughs> well, yeah. there are no refs, per yeah. se. I know it was the guy holding the cage door. Yeah, it might be, but, yeah, you know, it might be Pee Wee Anderson yeah. and Nick Patrick, for all we know. Yeah, but, um, sure. 
Put them in. Yeah. I, I, I Before we press play, I, I just, actually, no, we'll just get right to it. Yeah, like, like I said, um, Peacock, WCW, Wrestle War, Season 4, Episode 1, Wrestle War 92. Fast forward all the way to 2 hours, 6 minutes, 37 seconds. Pause it, and then when I say play, press play. And uh, from time to time, I'll, I'll blast the audio. Uh, give you a timestamp on my end from time to time as we go through this. Roughly, this will probably be about 30, uh, 30, 30 minutes or so. Um, uh, you know, watch along here as we, uh, we we celebrate this this underrated gem that is War Games 1992. So, without further ado, in five, four, three, two, one, hit play as we get a camera shot of Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone. They're actually going to talk about what's led to this match. So let's let, let's let's play the audio for this. How that will affect War Games, the match beyond. But as we take a look at the Dangerous Alliance on one side and Sting Squadron on the other, how do you measure it up? Who do you think is going to come out the winner in War Games, the match beyond, Eric? It's too close to call, and I'll tell you what's, what's really interesting about the situation. Take a look at Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ravishing Rick with the war that's been escalating between these two. But there's still a question mark surrounding Nikita Koloff. I know what's been said on national tele- television, but what's going to happen? To these 10 athletes, when they find themselves inside that that cage, where their their will to win as a team, what if that's overcome by their, well, their instinct to survive as individuals? Well, you know, Jesse the Body Ventura made it, if I can say this, Jesse, a real good point when he said on one side that Sting Squadron are made up of five individuals, but the Dangerous Alliance is one unit, and he thinks the Dangerous Alliance will win. There's been a fair amount of controversy within the Dangerous Alliance. How tight are they right now? Uh, you know, we've seen some controversy there in, in the last couple of years. And I know you're talking about the cruncher Larry Zabisco as well. But, you know, you take a look at this. We've called it so many times in World Championship Wrestling, and rightfully so, the ultimate battleground. So many things have gone on in the past between Ravishing Rick Rude and Sting and go back to Super Brawl. As of late, between Ravishing Rick Rude and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes and Stunning Steve Austin. And, of course, the Crutcher Larry Zabisco. And you saw right at the top of our program what happened in Chattanooga now almost a year ago. So it all comes down to the ultimate battleground. One of the ten athletes will give up. And that will be the way the other team can win. And, you know, if you go back now to the very first war games back in 1987. Back in 1987, the very first man, and Jim Ross and I were at ringside, the very first man to step in the ring was the enforcer, Arn Anderson. He may be the key to this one, as we go to Gary Capetta in the five most exciting words in World Championship Wrestling. I'm going to keep the audio for this. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are ready for the feature confrontation of Wrestle War 92 involving 10 of the trumpets in World Championship Wrestling. So I say to everyone, let the war games begin!
Right, because you had a shot of being a part of this match. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Quite the all-star group there. I had the privilege of seeing every war games here on pay-per-view. And I can tell you, after being in the sport for 20 years, there is nothing more violent, more volatile, and more dangerous fans than the match you're about to see. Chick pop. Team that wins and one team that 
Look at that squad there. Squadron. Squadron, I should say. Excuse me. Yeah, a lot, lot going on. A lot of moving parts that were, you know, that I remember growing up as a kid in this match. Um, Dangerous Alliance was really beginning to take shape in the fall of '91. Um, this was like the, the. Um, I like this here. Like he's got blueprints of the cage with like he's like strategizing here. Like that's genius. That's like, like that's genius. It is too because even now, like as a fan, when you watch, and again, managers are such a rarity nowadays, and you know we can go into a rabbit hole of that all on itself. But managers, you never really watched like a manager would help a guy win a match, right? Or you know, you know, force a guy to lose or whatever. But like yeah. a manager, they didn't bring a strategy. Yeah, you just heard them yell from ringside, yeah. and, you know, bang on the apron and. You know, like jump slip, on the apron to get yeah, involved. Yeah, slip a slip something to a guy or whatever. But they never like that's like a coach right there, and that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those little those little details. Yeah, like, you know, like you said the blueprint, the playbook. Here, all right, just like we practice, guys. Yeah, like, as if they practiced fucking yeah. war games. You know, but yeah, like you know, like that. That's Paul Heyman for you. Like that was like when I don't know if you remember because I know you don't watch a lot of AEW, but when Arn Anderson. Was Cody Rhodes' manager, yes, that's and, he, right. and he brought like the the laminated uh, sheet. It yeah. was very reminiscent of like football playing yeah, calls you're and right. I things like that. Like I thought that was really cool. Now I mean, Art and he would like cover up his cover up his like, like you know like 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 the coaches do. They cover up his face so you couldn't see, read his lips. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's that's right. It's a that's a great comparison. You again, you didn't see much of that even then, but um, I mean, now we got Austin and. Barry Windham in here, and it's it's uh, 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 such a 180 seeing Steve Austin here versus who we saw we just, last week. Yeah, we just watched it. Yeah, where again, Steve Austin still hadn't broken his neck by Cold Day and Hell, which is really what changed his rest. Excuse me, his wrestling style. But this was a Steve Austin that I think everybody would categorize as a wrestler. It's yep, a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, you know what I mean? A worker, you know, not a brawler. You know anything like that? You know he was. He was a, a worker at this stage of his career. And, uh, you know, from everything I saw and I have seen, and here he is, going to call him the next play. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Steve Austin was, you know, a damn good worker. Oh, yeah. No, he was. And I got, I mean, I was fortunate enough at a young age, you know, I consumed a lot of wrestling and I got to see, I got to see Steve Austin and what he was capable of from a technical wrestling standpoint before, you know, a larger, broader audience, mainstream, got to see him as Stone Cold. Right. And, you know, granted, his bread and butter, of course, is, you know, bald goatee, black boots, black trunks. But um, he could tear, you know, before that, before the injury especially, he could tear it up. and. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was in the singles or in a tag. I mean, the stuff he did with Brian Pillman as a Hollywood blonde, uh, even though it was short-lived, it was a, it was really good stuff. His matches with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in WCW in oh, yeah. singles. Uh, there's one in particular from like a Clash of Champions. I remember I watched them. And I remember watching it with Dad. And it was like a, I think it was in like 94 or something like that. It might have been one of Steamboat's last matches. it might have been his last match. It might have been his last match. And it was really good. Um but yeah, Austin was uh he was no slouch in the ring. And this is what, ninety two? What did he break mm-hmm. in? Eighty nine? We're looking at what? 
three years maybe yeah. three years and he's he's in a position like this you know as a, a part of a major angle yeah back then i wouldn't say that was unheard of but you were in rarefied air with three years in the industry main event in a pay-per-view granted he had a lot of guys surrounding him but yeah there was a lot of paying dues back in then and even well before any of us were watching where, like, you could be wrestling for 10 years before you sniffed any type of good money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was such a like a hard business to, like, make a living in. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, three years at this time is damn impressive to, you know, you're on national TV making kick-ass money. And nowadays, you get people who've never wrestled that are starting in the WWE, you know, and getting a match on TV. And But then you also, at the same time, given the, 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 the structure of their, you know, developmental system you get some that they get they get stuck in nxt for two three four years you know what i mean so it's all over the place now for sure and i think that speaks to you know the 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 broad um the broad approach they're taking to finding talent wherever they can find it now we got such a long clock to go with here a minute (laughs) i gotta watch that thing for a minute i feel like in today's day and age we'd get the three Two, one, ten, even, ten, nine, eight, like eight, seven, yeah. six, and like just all the way. I, mean, I gotta drive us crazy. Um, got some color so early in the match too. Oh, look Ooh. at that! Jeez, getting a bite of the forehead yeah. there, Barry Windham. This was like the end for, of Barry Windham. I feel like Barry Windham was was the blue chipper. Yep. You know, years, you know, five years prior. You know what I mean? Barry Windham was the future of wrestling. You know. For those who are old enough to remember, but he'd come in and out. I think after this run um, yeah, in he, WCW, I think at one point he was the he was like he wore the big gold belt. Yeah, and it was like the international world champion. It wasn't the the WCW and the champion. Ah, oh, and the Dangerous Alliance once has a babyface team and ever won a War Games coin toss. You know what's funny? You say that in the last few War Games in NXT. They've done the baby faces getting the coin toss. Probably out of the fact that the heels have always yeah, won. Yeah, they probably like look dusty. We're gonna do a war games and you know talking yeah. to the skies at this point. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna make a baby yeah, we're gonna, face we're team with the coin toss. We're taking the top off and the he, and the heels are gonna lose the coin toss. Well, now that you talk <laughs> about the top, how do you like the war games now versus this version of war games? Whether I don't mind the, the look, war games rules like. The war games are still. I mean, the rules are still the same. You just, you know. Well, they, I mean, just even just the little details, like you know, five versus five, and now it's usually four versus four. Like you know, it's the top versus not the top. The cages that they sit in, the bird cages or whatever. Oh versus, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, guys kind of right. gathered around ringside. Like there's different elements of the presentation that are different. So I, I'd be curious to know what you, you think know. About there's. It. This may sound like I'm riding the fence here, but I don't mind either. Do you like it? Shut up, my damn watch. Um, I I don't mind either. You know, I the the top gives that you know you can't escape factor. Um, at least you know back then, uh, everything was contained inside the cage, um, as as opposed to the the top being taken off now in today's wrestling. You can do more with the top being taken off. I I still like it. I don't hate it that there's no top on the cages. Um, at least they're keeping with the two ring format. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have no complaints there. Can't do war games about. Yeah, you can't. I mean, not war games. TNA did it for a while with the six sides of steel. Oh, yeah, leave the lockdown. That was okay, leave the lockdown wasn't bad, but 
it'd get crowded in there pretty quickly if you did five on five, ten guys, and then you got a bunch of weapons in a six sided ring. It was yeah. It, it became it became a it, it became a, a, a shit show at one point. Um, now they've added weapons to the cage on, on the the current war games. I know that um, that's not bad either. I don't mind that. Uh, you know the rule. I the bird cage thing. It's okay, but I like the aspect of like the two teams. They're on the sidelines. They're waiting to get in the game. You know, like it's like yeah. you're sitting on the bench and it's like, all right, coach. You know, put me in. I'm ready to play now. And then the clock hits, and then like we just saw here, steamboat charged in the cage. Couldn't wait to get in. As opposed to they're all locked in these bird cages, and then they, you know, when the, the team that won the coin toss, then when they alternate, the guy runs out of the cage. It's not bad, but yeah. I like the whole aspect of you're a team. And you're on the sidelines, yeah. um, but maybe they did that. Maybe maybe See, Paul WWE... Heyman's putting up the blueprint right up against the cage, <laughs> as if like, all right, look, stick to the plan. Yeah. You know, like that's I like that. Yeah, you know the, I mean? the, the the coach and the sideline coach aspect. There was also the aspect of you know you talked about them being on the sidelines out ringside, the birdcage in NXT that they'd be in. But then there was also that time in the late '90s when they came out from the back. Like that is Marano, true. Yeah, which I didn't mind either. That I wasn't feel like bad. I like okay, so I like them the having no top better. Having said that, I like this, the the top on it f- from the vantage point that you can still do some stuff. Off. Like you saw Steve Austin like hanging, you know, trying to you know hang and it's like a monkey the monkey bar yeah, spot trying to climb gra- the top of the yeah, cage. grab some momentum a little bit to yeah. hit a maneuver. You got the ceiling, you know, to to work with too. So I like that aspect of it as well. I personally like the aspect of the surrender way better than I like any pinfall or submission. Like the, the like the way to win. In this era of war games, I think is way better than the way it works now on NXT. I agree with you. Ends of you know WCW. I agree with you there. The only thing I don't like about the surrender aspect is is that you make one guy surrender, the other four or five guys are still kind of you know available to to stop the other guy from surrendering. Yeah, but but at the same time, what I think would be kind of interesting if there's a way that they can construct it from a storytelling standpoint is if let's say let's say you were to handcuff the other like if you picked one guy that this is the guy we're gonna make give up but you handcuff the other four or five guys and you make them watch well, their they partner that for the for the, one of the war games with um was it when they when they slammed the door on Flair's head when heading to? They did NWO? do that, yeah. But that was more of a that, surrender, or else we're given. Yeah, we're given otherwise Flair's the getting the guillotine. That's, yep. what, that's what Nash said. Yeah, so that part I was was definitely a good device. Circumstantially, it wasn't like an objective in the match per yeah. se, but I I just that just makes it like even you know GMC said it in the announcements. Our final confrontation of the night. It wasn't yeah. even. It's not even a match. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the, and the part that other people. Seem, you know, that another detail here that I like that doesn't really, I don't believe, present itself now is that the match begins when everybody's in the ring. Mind you, they're kicking this. Right now, the match hasn't started. Yeah. You know what I mean? So unofficially. Think about, think about that. Yeah, unofficially. That they're beating the piss out of each yeah, other. Yeah, Austin's covered in blood. The match, the match hasn't started is official. Yet. Yeah, and yeah. that to me is like, that's just cool. Yeah. Like, there's a violence aspect. I'm not a proponent of, quote, blood and guts for the sake of giving a billionaire the middle finger from Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. But I appreciate the violence aspect in terms of what it does for a story when it makes sense. Yep. So when you put these people in a cage to just all hell goes, you know, out, you know, breaks loose, like 
man, like, you know, all right, do whatever you can. And then once you're in there, that's how the match starts. You know yeah. what I mean? No, just, it's just so different, yeah. even now. And I wish that that detail there was brought emphasis into on this that more. today. Like, the match begins, and maybe it is. I may have to watch an NXT War Games and, and, and check that out. I think they still go by the fact that, like, once all of the guys are in there, then yeah. that's when yeah, you the can determine. Yeah, the match is going to end when the, someone isn't in there. Yeah, that's, yeah. But I don't think they really stress the emphasis of, like, all right, it's the match beyond now that all ten are in there. It's, I don't think they really put put a whole lot of uh, focus on that. Yeah, There's no, one I think thing right. I do, look I'm, in hindsight, that I'm surprised was still a factor in the match was the top. Like, we just saw there, like Dustin just kind of lifted Austin. He hit, and hit, not, hit his noggin a little bit. And his head yeah. on top. If you remember, the year prior, the Horsemen wrestled Sting's team that consisted of Sting, the Steiners, and Brian Pillman. And Sid drops Brian yeah. Pillman on his shoulder and his head. And part of that was due to the fact that Sid was so tall, he hoists Pillman up. Pillman's feet get caught in the, the cage, and then he just drops him. Yeah, you know what would be really cool? I was surprised that oh, they sorry, didn't eliminate ahead. that. Well, I was going to say, you know what would be really cool that um, this might be a little too, you know, fucking game show style, but how about NXT brings the top of the cage back when the, quote, war games begin? When the, yeah. Everybody gets in the match, yeah. all 10 guys. Do all your do, monkey spots yeah. off and the then top. Once and everybody's yeah. in the match. All right, that's it. Yep. Then the, well, then the top of well, the cage lowers onto the top. Well, that's, that's what it. TNA used to do with lethal lockdowns. Yeah, oh, they, that's right. It that's was open. And then that's yeah. when all the weapons would, would play into effect. Now, so you would lower the ceiling and then you can grab the, the guitar and the chair. And then, you know, AJ be, Styles traditionally used to do a spot off the top of the cage during those TNA war games. Yeah. yeah. That would be really cool. Even if they didn't have to, like, if, if they did it in, like, one year or one match. And then at an at NXT War Games, that would be cool. It doesn't have to happen every year. But yeah. again, it all depends on the the storyline or, you know, that type of thing. If yeah. it's just a forced War Games match, like I feel like the last couple have been, mm-hmm. like Black and Gold versus 2.0. Yeah. like, all right, we're just doing this, I guess, to end Black and Gold. Okay. Yeah. Or even as, as we want to be fair and give a men's War Games and a women's War Games, <laughs> like... Do we really need both? That's like just doing. To that's have like both. That, that's like doing you know two or three Hell in a Cell matches every year just because the name of the pay per view says Hell in a right. Cell. Like not every like this isn't like you know this Wrestle War didn't always have a War Games match. You know no. what I mean, right? As far as I remember, well, they, like, the, the year prior they did in '91, but the other Wrestle War events were just traditional pay per views without this gimmick. Like the like. A, a, a rivalry, a confrontation, a feud, whatever you want to call it, storyline, an angle. Sometimes, like, when it would elevate to where these cats are at now, it necessitated war games. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's where the William Regal, like, war games yeah. kind of came from. And, of course, they really watered that down just for the sake of getting William Regal on social media yeah. every which way. And that's fine. Yeah. But, Make like, another meme that says yeah, war Yeah, and that's fine. But, like, it didn't, like, like... Those first couple NXT War Games were fantastic. Yep. I thought they they rival some of these ones, like the you know the first one I think, which was I think it was was it it was three it was three, of three teams of three. Yeah, I like that. You know, that wasn't was, bad. I think well, yeah, it was Roderick Strong and the Authors of Pain, Undisputed Era, and then um, God, who was the other team? How how do was I know? Was it um. Was Ricochet involved with like the, the oh the, and the was it the Viking Raiders? Was it the Viking Raiders and Ricochet? 
Mm. Let me look it up. I'll, I'll I'll Google it right or now. Was there a Pete Dunn in one of those matches? Well, he was in a f- other war games. And I'm not sure if that was the, the threesome. It might have. I'm been. gonna look right now. Um, and then of course I like the fact, and it's sad too because they're all gone. But like, man, it was cool to have undisputed era kind of own that match. And that was their match. Like the Horsemen's was like the Horsemen yeah. was the war games. Undisputed era had that 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 association with it. Which and was, it's not like they won every single one either. But it was cool to see. So, like, and again, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought those early war games. It was sanity. Eric Young, yes, Alexander Wolf, and Killian right. Dane. I think the following year was. The following year was Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders the against war, Undisputed yeah. Era, um, the yeah, four of them. Then Raiders. Team Ciampa, Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dijak, and Kevin Owens against the Undisputed Era. That was. That was 2019 yep. in Chicago. That one was okay. Yeah, that I was, wasn't blown away by that one. I mean, it was good. Yeah, that was the night before Survivor Series. Yeah, when it was NXT involved. When NXT in was involved in Survivor Series. And they series. won Survivor Series. Yes. Technically. And I then uh, 2020 was at the Performance Center during like the McAfee pandemic. One? McAfee against uh, Undisputed Era. And that then, was what? That was McAfee, Dunn, and Oni, and, and Birch, Birch against the Undisputed Era. That I was guess. actually a fun little match. That wasn't bad. That was a fun War Games. I like yeah. that one. Because, again, McAfee blew everybody away. Yeah. But um, that was a cool one. But yeah, like last year's were like, meh. They say that some of the war games, like we know of the ones that are on pay-per-view, like, you know, the first one at the Bash 87 with Mm -hmm. the Horsemen. Um, And there's been some other ones, but um, that have been televised, you know, on the Fall Brawl pay-per-views, which weren't bad, but they didn't live up to the hype of the original. But there's good storylines in those, at least, though. Somewhat, yeah. Like Sting, with, the, the match with Sting and the fake Sting. The two Stings in it, yeah. The, the, but some of the ones that they did on the tours, on the Great American Bash tours that were that they filmed, I don't know if you remember when we used to... You, you remember when we used to own the, um, the Horseman the retrospective DVD, mm-hmm. which, surprisingly, isn't on Peacock at all. They have all their DVD... Uh, um, documentaries except for for that one but they had a lot of extras and a lot of them were um uh war games that took place at those great american bash tours that weren't like officially televised but they'd film them and there was like no commentary like there was one like the orange bowl in miami that was um yeah that's right it was like the horsemen but they had um like big bubba as like Mm. the fifth guy because jj was hurt and then it was like sting it was like Dusty, Nikita, Doctor Death, Paul Ellering, and like Luger or something like that. Like they would they would mess around with some of the guys in the but they they used to do those matches like regularly mm-hmm. on like those summer tours. In the beginning, yeah, I do recall learning about that. Um, As Dusty said in his speech when he inducted the Horsemen, he's like forty war games. Like that was like 40, 40 war games. Forty of matches. these. <laughs> forty of these matches. For a whole summer. Mm. I think we're getting to the finisher. Close to it here. Um, we got all of them in? Are they all in? Um, Who are we missing? I it's, don't know. So we got Rude, Austin, Zabisco, um, Anderson, Bobby Eaton. That's I six think. guys right there on the camera right now. And you know what? Uh, Seven, eight, nine. There might be one more left. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Nikita. Yeah, and they're probably playing up the fact that you know what's he going to do? He's the final guy in there because there was controversy surrounding his character's involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a heel on WCW TV before 
he stayed he saved Sting. Sting right. won the world title from Luger at Super Brawl earlier in that year. And the Dangerous Alliance confronted him backstage, which was like a home video exclusive. It wasn't didn't air on the pay-per-view. And Nikita made the save. And before Nikita was returned, he had an issue with Sting on TV. And so that was for once WCW had some kind of continuity. Right. Where they where they played up on that. Especially for this time. Yeah. And this was the 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 Bill Watts regime of of WCW. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but I believe Dusty was involved booking this match too, if I'm not Probably. mistaken. It was his, I, yeah. It's like they brought Pat Patterson back every for year. For a Royal Rumble, Rumble, yeah. You know what I mean? So I would imagine Dusty Dusty would sprinkle his dust, if you will, yeah. um, on these matches whenever he was around. I couldn't imagine him being like, no, if you're not booking this, buddy. Yeah. Like, I fucking invented it. Yeah, what, yeah. I mean, Watts had done a lot of crazy things, but I don't think he would have yeah. uh, pushed Dusty out. I will say, as a youngster, um, Dangerous Alliance, I enjoyed them as a group. I felt like they split them up way too soon. A lot of and, way too soon in WCW. Yeah, and, and I also think, too, that that might have played a part in Paul Heyman's exit from the company. Because not long after this, not this event, but I believe it would be a few months after this, Heyman would be gone. And then eventually he would help organize and Did run they fire him though or because i know obviously there was a lawsuit involved yeah i don't know if he was fired or if he won, quit he won the lawsuit there was i know he won the lawsuit discrimination religious discrimination <clears throat> lawsuit or something i don't remember the exacts and um i don't think you could i don't think that's really a public record but i think there was like a gag order like a disc like a, an nda or something yeah not a disclosure yeah agreement. there was i might have been a wrongful termination or something Feel like I've seen, I, I've heard, I've heard inter, shoot interviews with guys where, and it could, it could just be all bullshit. But a lot of the older ECW, in the wrestling business, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a lot of the older ECW, the ECW guys that were involved would say that, um, you know, uh, the lawsuit money that Heyman won from WCW and Turner helped um, fund some of the stuff he was doing with ECW. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, that's like everyone. That's like the, 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 the. The old adage that um, Jim Crockett paid for WrestleMania one after after the, exactly. the sale, yeah, yeah. you know, of Georgia. Sure, buddy. If that's what makes you feel better, you paid for, <laughs> you paid for WrestleMania one. Whatever. What <laughs> you are know? you doing today? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what the fuck? That's just some silly shit. But this group was cool. I liked it, uh, I, and they were they were rem- they were a, a slight reminder of the Horsemen, but um, not as. I mean, they were a big part of the. The programming, well, they were I feel a focal like, point. I feel like it wasn't like it was perfect the way they did it because, like, you'd see, see, especially after 1992, you'd see so many different versions of the Horsemen, which were all, which were good and not good and whatever. Yep. But like, you'd see like other groups rip off the Horsemen. You know, you go to, you know, I guess Evolution might be the best version that that did well, and I would put Dangerous Alliance in there too. But like, for instance, Evolution or that group Fortune and Tina, they uh. they all, you know. The, they they had to look like the four horsemen. That was so much a part of their look. That was so much part of their gimmick. These guys were just four people that were individuals that came together and As they a didn't group. they didn't say, Oh, we all gotta dress up in suits and look like, you know, and be cool. Like we are who we are. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a there's a that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't what's not change who well, the way we look because we're a team now. Yeah. Like, you know, just because the horsemen did it. Like yeah. they just they just did what they did. So um, you know, it would have been kind of interesting you know, this is 92. Flair would leave in early 93. It would have been kind of interesting if they kept this group 
around when Flair came back. Came back, and you had a little, and you had you know, something. yeah, you had a little something that maybe would lead to a horseman reunion of sorts with yeah. like Flair and Arn, and let's say they were to like anoint like. You know, a Barry, bring, you know, you get Barry, and then maybe that's where they would like put Dustin in this, like the young stud that Barry was in 89. Uh, You know, against like a dangerous alliance of like a Rick Rude, a Bobby Eaton, a Steve Austin. You know, eventually Pillman would turn heel. This is the finish here, and Zabisco inadvertently nailing Eaton with the turnbuckle, setting up the armbar. armbar. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm sorry. This is a great match. I, I might have to... You didn't like break. this finish? I'm a fucking armbar. <laughs> a sit-down a sit armbar? Like, or did, did Medusa did Medusa give up for him? No. See, like, blood and guts and hellfire and fury, and he just, like, slightly sits on you with an armbar, and you fucking lost? Like, did I did I miss something? Like, did, were, were they... Were they working his shoulder till the, the you know did he come in with a bum no, shoulder? No, I think what like, it was. I, I I think what happened here was was they had been building up like Zabisco's status in the group because he had been making mistakes in matches and yeah and, and kinda, so so this was the this is like the finale here. This is what kind of pretty much sends them, you know, in a tailspin. Yeah, the beginning of the end. Maybe we'll play the audio for this. him in the shoulder I guess that's that's what makes it lethal the armor yeah all right okay all right you gonna walk that one back yeah 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 I walk that one back All right, that that, that that's gonna do it. I mean, this is the end of the show here. I think they're hyping up the the the, the next pay per view, Beach Blast, if you will. Um, this was a lot of fun going back, talking war games, talking about this era of WCW. One of my favorite eras of WCW. I felt like the Dangerous Alliance aspect 
was very underrated as a part of their programming. A lot of people give Bill Watts some some flack for his presentation of wrestling, but um, one thing's for sure, you know, for those wrestling purists out there that 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 are not sports entertainers or sports entertainment fans, this would be right up their alley. Oh, definitely, yeah. This is this. I think there's so many just raw elements that epitomize what wrestling is, which is just you know brute force competition um confrontation you know this is you know i know there's a lot of bells and whistles but you know this speaks to what you pay to see in some respects when it comes to you know the 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 collision of forces and violence that ensues and that's that's in a nutshell what wrestling is yeah pretty much um yeah thanks thanks again for stopping by and uh pleasure this was pretty cool something that you know I haven't seen in quite some time. You, I think you said maybe saw this once. Uh, how would you rank this War Games match itself? The the, the match itself compared to other War Games of the past? It's, it's. I mean, I know I almost walked it back a few seconds ago, but it's definitely one of the better ones, absolutely. You know, I grew up in the Monday Night Wars eras of War Games where the NWO and the Four Horsemen and Team WCW and Team Wolfpack and yep. all that stuff, and that was cool, and I liked it. Um, this is, I feel like... This makes me appreciate more about war games in general and its history. Um, just, you know, the the sheer brutality that war games um, epitomizes mm-hmm. that makes what I saw live as a fan even better. Yeah. Um, the, you know, this is where this is where this match and the ones even before were, pro- were the ones that were getting ripped off in the 1990s and in the NXT era of war games. Yeah. It's coming from here. For yep. sure. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Kicking Out at 2. Thank you all so very much for uh, for for watching this back with us. Wrestle War 92 War Games, Sting Squadron, and the Dangerous Alliance. This rewatch party, if you will. So for, for those of you diehard Kicking Out at 2 fans out there, um, if this is the first time that you've listened to this episode and watched this War Games, go back in the archives and check out Kobe Nida and I as we watched this back just a couple of years ago. Uh, a bonus episode over on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You could check that out over there. Or you could just check out this one as well. If you liked it, uh, look at the credits. We're reading the credits here. It says catering. Backstage catering. <laughs> That's the name of the group. Interesting. All right. Um, yeah, it's going to do it for this episode. Uh, when and where we'll be back, don't know. But uh, until next time, thank you all so very much. And uh, time to put this show down for the three count. And see you all. Well, I'll see you all next time.